I'm sad you went to Omaha for a day and nothing happened. <laughs> it was pretty depressing. But, I mean, it was cool to at least say that I went there. Yeah. Uh, I got a bunch of souvenirs. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. Uh, and I met, actually, one of the ladies who was always on TV. I don't know if you were watching the games, but mm-hmm. the one that always had, like, the, like, um, like hula gear and stuff on. So I was curious why she was wearing all that stuff, because there's no kid, like, that's from Hawaii. Yeah. Um, but I found her in the stands, and so I went up to her, and I was like, hey, like, just curious, like, why you're wearing, you know, why you're dressed up like that. And she was like, well, my nephew is part Hawaiian, but they're from I don't know, somewhere in the States or whatever. So and he was the one that ended up hitting the home run to win the game, ga- the second game. Oh, nice, Trevor, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was just cool, like getting to meet her. I met them, so I met his mom and like a bunch of other people that were with them. So then she kind of was like, "Yeah, I just went to Walmart the day before, and it's just now kind of turned into a thing, and I wear it because she's actually a nun here in Hawaii. Oh, but she like got time off for this, and then she's extended it since they made it all the way to the end. So I was like, oh. Yeah, Larnick. Yeah, I guess he he kind of looks like he'd be a little Hawaiian. Yeah, and he's gonna be on the Twins. Like he he's like gonna be going into the majors very like he's ready. Right, <laughs> like right. He's right, one right. of those guys that's ready. <laughs> Welcome to the EduPunks Podcast. This is your host, Craig Biedemann, bringing you another conversation with the everyday educator and daily disruptor in the world of uh, which in, in which we live. At, yep, where we live in the world. Uh, I like talking to educators because it gives me a nice reminder that there are some good people out there doing good work in a time where I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on in the world right now. Hope you enjoyed the week off that I gave y'all last week, Uh, but we're back. Uh, We'll be taking that monthly break at the end of every month now. It's nice for me. I get a little bit of a relax time, and I get to figure out who I'm interviewing next. I mean, I I plan out a little bit, but it's nice to get some of that stuff done in that little time frame. gives me a little less uh, anxiety. Talking about less anxiety, I got to talk to someone this week that I really miss and someone that makes me really happy. It's my friend Kareen Chun. Uh, She is uh, someone that I worked with and hung out with a lot in college at Oregon State University. Uh, You might have heard in the the open, we were talking about uh, Oregon State's run in Omaha, Nebraska, where we just won the College World Series for the third time. Hell yeah. Go Beavs. Uh, That did give me a bunch of anxiety for a few weeks, but we pulled off a wonderful victory, and I'm very happy about it. And so Kareen and I uh, talk about that a little bit. We talk about going to college at Oregon State, and we also talk about something that I haven't covered at all ever on this podcast yet, um, which is the Hawaiian 
education system. Uh, Karine is from Hawaii, and she talks at at length about the differing uh, ways that we teach on the mainland and then on the island. Uh, and uh, Karine did teach for America, so she also brings a little bit of a perspective on a program that is very... Um, uh, very useful for folks who want to get into the education field, has a little bit of controversy behind it, but from someone who has an education background, Kareen, uh felt like she had a much better, but much better grasp on entering the program herself. We talk about um, what it's like getting into special education as well, and really what what it looks like when you uh, visit different places and live in different places and how much you can learn from just exploring the world and getting out of your comfort zone. This week you also get to hear tunes from the band Groupie, who recently released a, uh, an EP called Validated on Disposable America. And I'm really excited for our new partnership with Disposable America, a great Boston DIY label that's putting out a lot of really cool bands in the area. So now let's get to this conversation with Kareen so you can stop listening to just my voice and let's bring Kareen in. Here we go. Hi, Kareen. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, It's really gross and muggy in Boston. How is it where you are? So I'm actually back home in Hawaii. Um, so it's actually nice out. Um, it's afternoon time for me, um, just cause and we're about like six hours behind you. <laughs> right, right, right. So the sun is still shining, although I see some clouds, um, in the sky. So hopefully those go away soon, but it's beautiful out. It's, it's paradise, right? Apparently so people come here and visit. <laughs> I've, I've still never been there. Of all my years living in Oregon, I never got out to Hawaii. One day we'll take a road trip together or yeah. I guess a plane trip can't drive there that's for sure when they have cars that we can take a road trip there you're the person i want to take the road trip with there you go you'll know where to go yep i will quick question before i get to who you are how many trips have you taken from hawaii to the mainland and back that is a very good question i probably i could not give you an answer to that um but uh, my mom is actually all the way from Chicago. Oh. Uh, so ever since I was little, I actually took road trips or family trips back and forth from Hawaii. Okay. So I've been lucky enough to to visit parts of the mainland that, you know, other people don't necessarily go to growing up here on an island. Yeah. So I started well, since I was a baby, that's for sure. <laughs> well, we've already dug into a little bit, but who are you, Kareen? Where do you come from? What do you do? And I don't know, just tell folks a little bit about you. I know a bunch about you, so go ahead. <laughs> sure. Hi, everyone. Um, so my name is Kareen. Um, I was born and raised on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. Um, I'm the only child. My mother, like I said, is from Chicago, Illinois. Uh, and my father was born and raised here on the islands. Definitely growing up in Hawaii has um, its advantages and disadvantages, but I definitely it's a, think it's unique Um kind of environment to grow up in. Uh, we have a very diverse culture of people. I'm a very diverse individual. Uh, I'm Hawaiian, Chinese, Portuguese, and German. So I'm a, <laughs> what they call a, a mix. Um, You're a mixed sure. bag of a person. <laughs> I am. I am. And you can probably see it in, in different parts of me. That's for sure. Uh-huh. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, I, I grew up here. I uh, attended a school called Kamehameha. Uh, it was a private institution, which some people do know about, um, just based upon um, our founder, Bernice Poahi Bishop, and her vision to educate those of Native Hawaiian descent. Um, went to school there. Uh, upon graduation, I decided to head to the West Coast, um, which is where we got to meet uh, at Oregon State University. Go uh, Beavs. Yes, go Beavs. Uh, national champs. National what? champs again. <laughs> <laughs> yep, three P. And yeah, so that's kind of just a little bit about myself. Um, grew up loving playing sports and things like that. Just very active growing up. Although it's funny, I didn't really uh, venture too much back here in Hawaii until I moved back here um, for teaching uh, after college. I wasn't much of a outdoors person but now I go on hikes all the time whenever I get to come back and visit and go to the beach get some sunshine so definitely utilize it a lot more than I used to that's for sure well at least you're utilizing it I mean Oregon brings that out in people like when I talk to people out here that like I was just growing up in the woods and wandering around in the hills and stuff they're like what why would you do that (laughs) Right. Is that a thing? It's actually funny. So last night I was out at this night market um, and they have, you know, like people bring their pets, their dogs, you know, walk them because it's all outside. A lady had a pig that she was holding, like a little pet pig with a harness. I was like, never seen this before, but who knows? I mean, only in Hawaii, right? Maybe. But the thing is, like, you say that, but I'm like, how is that the first time you've seen that? Like in my brain, that would... I don't know, maybe I just associate that with Hawaii, but I don't know. But I also associate it with, um, like, Corvallis, Oregon, so... <laughs> Very true, yes, yes. Probably see, I probably saw it there first before I saw it back here. Probably. Sure. Jeez. Uh, so you grew up in the education system in Hawaii and mm-hmm. then decided to go to Oregon, the mainland. And, like, I remember being at Oregon State, and that was the first time I really even knew people from the islands. And so right. what what was it about coming to I guess the west coast that like drew you out there? And it seemed to draw a lot of people out there. Yeah, um Hawaii people there tend to be a lot of us in the class above me. I think I would want to say we had maybe 10 to 15 um kids from my school that ended up going to OSU. Um you know, I was fortunate enough the school that I went to is a pub- as like I said a private school. Um, so I grew up going to a private institution. However, I um, kind of got my first taste of public school as I did one of those student exchange things that you could do in high school. Um, we went down to our, we call it our sister school down the hill, um, just to kind of see what what their life is. And it, it is very different. And I've learned a lot more about the public school system, especially being a teacher um, for the last five years in a public school setting. Um, but, you know, I just really my parents really wanted to give me the opportunity to go away growing up on an Island. Um, you know, like I said, it, it does have its advantages, but it also has its disadvantages as far as not being exposed to a lot of the things that I think people on the mainland get to be exposed to. Um, and sorry, that's our slang term mainland. I always use that for meaning the continental United States. So no, that's good. when, that's I, good when I talk about that, that's, that's what I'm saying is the mainland as far as <laughs> everywhere else in the United States besides Hawaii. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I just, I kind of wanted to look at schools and, and the thing is, is you can always, we always said it's easier to go away and realize you're not about it and come home than just to never leave. 
because mm. I feel like you have to really have something that you're leaving for to make such big such a big move because you're moving everything you know across an ocean to wherever you end up mm. um so really the only opportunities I feel like for people are is if they're moving away for college or if they're you know got a job opportunity or, or some kind of other opportunity yeah. somewhere else and that's when they make the move so yeah. I was looking at schools and um you know, I, I did have some friends that went to OSU, but I really just, I knew in high school that I wanted to get into education. Um, I kind of joked and said, because I'm the only child, I never got annoyed by uh, any siblings. So <laughs> I always wanted to teach. Um, I was okay with surrounding myself with other, other kids. Um, cause I didn't have that growing up. I didn't even have like an, I had a guinea pig. That was my Aww. pet guinea pig Aww. and fish when I was growing up. Um, not to say they weren't exciting, but, you know, it's not as great as a human interaction with another child. So Yeah, no, I get yeah. it. I was the youngest and all of my siblings were grown up and had some of them had their own kids by the time I was. So the only the only real people I grew up with were my friends. <laughs> right. My family. Exactly. Uh, yes. And it was always interesting to me, I think, when we were getting to know each other and like starting to recognize like um, more stuff about like just. Hawaiian folks around us because I live on the East Coast now. You live on the East Coast now. Not a whole lot of Hawaiian folks over here. So it always yeah. seemed like it was the f- it was the closest someone could leave the island but still be close to home. Is that yeah. what I was kind of getting? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People um, actually call uh, Las Vegas the ninth island um, because there are a ton, a ton of people that, from Hawaii that moved really? to Vegas. Yeah, huh. so they're actually called the Ninth Island. Um, it, in a way, it's it's kind of sad though. I people talk about it a lot. It's just that it's been becoming so expensive to live here, um, that a lot of people just can't afford it anymore. So mm-hmm. instead of staying, you know, they have to resort to moving away to somewhere in the mainland where it's cheaper for them to live and and buy a house and you know raise a family. Like you see a lot of um, generation type homes here because you know that's that's all people can do is they have to move back in with a family member or you have, you know, multiple generations in a home because they can't afford getting their own place. They all have to kind of live in the same area, which, which is nice because then it brings that cultural side out of it in the fact that you are so close to, you know, your family. Like for me growing up, my grandparents pretty much raised me when my parents were at work. Um, so I was very close to my, to my grandparents growing up. So you know, there's, there's good and bad parts mm-hmm. to it, but it's definitely, like you said, a different experience. Um, and yeah, for, for those people who are able to, to get away and move, I always say too, that like, I feel like there's two different type of people in Hawaii. It's like, you can either survive on the mainland or you can't. Mm. Um, <laughs> and, and it's not to say there, there's anything bad about that, but you know, I have a family member who I know like has never moved away and I don't think they ever will. Yeah. Not to say they couldn't do it. It's just, you know, they're they're happy here and they're making a life for themselves and they're doing great in their career and, and they're fine with just being here. And I've always been one of those people where I wanted, you know, the opportunity to go away for college. And I came back after college and, and, I, and I love it here. But again, another opportunity arose and I took it and now I'm back on the mainland again and, and I love it there too. So I can definitely adapt, I think, to different environments, um, which is nice. And I get to have different experiences. Yeah, that, that's one of the things that's been great about knowing you for the decade we've known each other. <laughs> that's weird. It is. Um, because uh, I know that when, when we first met, you we were RAs, or you were, you were an RA, I was becoming an RA. Yeah. 
Yeah. <clears throat> and we were both in education classes together, and that's how we were getting to know each other more. And I just continue. I was like always fascinated because I mean I grew up in Oregon. I would only lived in Oregon, and so when and the idea of Hawaii felt literally so far away to me. So I was. I I think I remember one of the earliest things. I just asked you a bunch of shit about like what's different about being on the island than on the mainland, and I you were so patient with me, <laughs> especially <laughs> especially like nine or ten years ago, Craig, because I was the worst then. <laughs> So thank you a decade later for being patient with me. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, it's always nice, too, when people just want to know, you know, they don't just see it as, like, a destination where people yeah. like to go and explore. Like, they want to learn more about what it, you know, what it actually is about than just, like, oh, let's go to Waikiki or let's visit, you know, Pearl Harbor, which are obviously very historical places mm-hmm. um, and have a lot of history there. But it's, like, it's, I don't, I don't. I think people think like, oh my gosh, you live in Hawaii. Like, why would you ever leave? Mm-hmm. Like, especially now when I say, you know, like, oh yeah, that's where I'm from. They're like, what? Why are you here? Yeah. And it's just like, it's just like, well, I don't sit my ties every day, you know, and like lay at the beach. Like I have a job. Yeah. Like I did, like I did things like a normal person when I lived in Hawaii. I wasn't yeah. just on vacation. So. Yeah. Like when I'm, when I, even here in Boston, I'll be like, yeah, I'm from Oregon. They're like, why do you live here then? I'm like, cause I lived in Oregon for 25 years and I got tired of it. Like right. I wanted something new and Boston actually has a lot of things I want to do. It's always wherever someone's hometown is they, and they've stayed there forever. They're always kind of a little jaded to it. And when they meet someone who's moved there and I'm like, I mean, I get it. I understand. Like when I'm right. in Portland, um, and I say things like, oh, it's nice to be home. They're like, oh, well, where are you from? And I'm like, well, I, I'm, I'm from here, but I live, I live across the country. I live over there. <laughs> I have to like explain that every time I come home now. Cause I don't want, I also don't want them to think that my brashness is coming off like me as a Bostonian. No, I'm an Oregonian at heart. I promise you. Right. <laughs> Just Boston's made me a little harsher sometimes. <laughs> Hey, nothing wrong with that sometimes. Mm, um, <laughs> eh, sometimes. So you wanted to get into education. What did you originally focus on for your, uh, like, we, we were in the education double degree, uh, yes. Oregon State University, a rare program. Um, what were you trying to specialize in again? So uh, for me, I did education, and then my other degree was in human development and family sciences, focused focus on early childhood um, and then I also actually minored in sociology. Um, and so I, I, I knew I always wanted to, uh, teach younger kids. Uh, definitely for me too. I'm like, I'm on the shorter side, so I would never want my, my students to be taller than me. So I definitely <laughs> can't do middle high school. It was actually funny. I remember one time, um, it wasn't a student teaching experience, but we were at some school for something. I think we were just kind of like observing or whatever. And I just remember there was maybe six of us. And uh, we were in the hallway and the bell rings and like all these kids come out and it was, I want to say it was a middle school. Um, And I just remember like, we all just disappeared and we were like, did not know where each other was. Like (laughs) these kids just like consumed us and we're like walking. We had to wait till like the bell rang and everyone went into class and we're like, are we still here? We're good. We got everyone. <laughs> like, this is why I could never. And like, and we were walking down the hall too. And somebody was like, Oh, can I help you guys? Like, aren't you supposed to be in class? We're like, um, 
we're student teachers. Like, no, we're not supposed to be in class. Like, but we do need to go here. Can you tell us where this is? Like, I was like, this is why I can't, I can't teach the older <laughs> kids because they're just going to think that I'm a kid teaching. <laughs> like, so yeah, that I remember that experience, and I was like, no, I got to do my my little kids. But even, I mean, teaching elementary school kids, some of my fifth and and here in Hawaii, we go up to sixth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, by the time they reach fifth and sixth grade, some of them were even starting to become taller than me. And, you know, they'd love to come and stand next to me on my shoulder and be like, look, look, Miss Chan. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> yes, you're taller than me. How nice. Mm-hmm. Aww. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, I feel like I feel like we're we're of the gener we're of such a baby face generation though. Like Katie, my partner, looks like they're in high school still all the time and gets carded at Costco for samples, which you have to be apparently you have to be sixteen to get now. Uh, so a tattooed twenty nine year old gets right. <laughs> gets carded at Costco for that. Um, but I mean. Even on my campus, I kind of fit in with our students, but that's because we have like a non-traditional setup. But we right. are kind of we are kind of screwed in that way. We just kind of all look young, yeah. which yeah. and you know, I think at the end of the day, <laughs> right? Exactly. At the end of the day, I feel like that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I'm okay with with seeming young and looking young, you know, for a while now. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna write it as long as I can. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Very um, true. So getting into into education. Um, what were some of your like motivations? Why did you originally want to get into education? Yeah. I mean, like I said, I think it's just always one of those, you know, when you get asked the question when you're in high school or whatever, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like, I've just always wanted to be a teacher. Um, one of the things that also really motivated me is, um, I had at our high school, we had, um, not only counselors, but we had like, um, college counselors. Um, and so I actually got to, like my college counselor, I really appreciated what she did for me as far as like kind of talking to me and like helping me figure out and really narrow down like, you know, what kind of programs I want to go into as well as like what kind of programs I could get into um, and where I'd want to go. So I think she kind of helped point me in the right direction and kind of just helped me figure out that like education is really what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know. I I can't really remember a time where I'm like, I really wanted to do, you know, this, something Mm -hmm. else kind of thing. I've just always loved teaching. I've always loved interacting, um, you know, with kids and um, just helping out the next generation, hopefully make this place a better world that we live in. Um, Am so, I right? That's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> right. It's an uphill battle, but that's what we're trying to do. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's, that's always just what I wanted to do. When I, 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 Fun fact is I actually didn't go to OSU until I, I finished applying. I got in. It was like my campus tour. That was actually the first time in the state of Oregon in general. Um, So that was a, that was a cool experience. And for me, you know, I, cause I was a tour ambassador um, my, my last year. And so I always told students like, you know, for me, it was the fact that I could envision myself like living here for the next five years. And Mm -hmm. that's kind of what made me solidify like my choice at Oregon state. And obviously all the, the great things that they offered through the program that we did. Um, and giving me the opportunity to actually interact with kids earlier on. Like that was something that I, I kind of, you know, wanted to make sure that I got the chance to be in a classroom setting, you know, not, I didn't have to wait till my senior year when I was just about to graduate and be like, here, 
now you get to go in a classroom, like got to do it a lot earlier, which was nice because I, I felt a lot more comfortable by the time I did do my student teaching um, to the point where um, the teacher that I had, you know, she was about to retire and she had all this like time that she needed to like use. So, and, and she was my second teacher that I had. So it just got to the point where she was like, yeah, so I'm going to like take a, take a few days off, like, yep. and you run the class. And I was, she was like, I, you don't even have to make like sub plans. Like I'll just have the sub and you just tell her what to do. And I was like, yep. sweet. Sounds good to me. You know, and sounds I was familiar. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was confident at that point because it was just like, I've had all these years, you know, working with kids and, um, doing the, um, human development family sciences part of it too was neat because, I was in the Bates program. I had to work at Bates, which is the preschool on campus. And I remember coming home my first day and I was like, oh my gosh, like never can I work with preschoolers ever again. Like it was like such a horrible experience. But after like a weekend, I ended up staying because that, that, um, that was only like a semester, yeah. you know, long course. I stayed for the entire year and taught the same kids because I just like fell in love with it and loved it. So I never thought, you know, I mean, I probably would have never put myself in a preschool classroom up until that point. But getting to do that, I just found that I really do love working, you know, with young kids. And especially at that age, you know, they, they're all very curious about the world and about yeah. life. And, you know, the million questions might irritate you at some point. But at the same time, they're also willing to, to like, learn from you and actually want to know more about, you know, what's going on. So always nice when they have their own self-motivation in that sense so never say never right of and course. and what are some of the million questions they would ask you oh, miss chen i don't, I don't <laughs> even know like it just miss chen why is the sky random, blue miss chen yeah, the random things that just come <laughs> out of your mouth or even just i don't even know my nieces but. and nephews were enough motivation for me to not be able to like command a room of that because I grew up with a lot of nieces and nephews and I was like, you know what? I can handle them because they're my family. But right. like if these were not like family, I'd have a hard time not like getting stern with some of yeah. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. To put it mildly. <laughs> I, I feel you on that far. That definitely is the case. I mean, even with the kids that I've worked with the last five years, like I've had, um, as far as like really interacting with, it's been mostly first grade through sixth grade. I didn't have necessarily the kindergarteners or the preschoolers, but I mean, even them sometimes it's like, what grade are you in? Like, what, why are you asking me this question? Like, you, like come on guys. I'm like, why are you even thinking about that? But you know, that's again, the creative minds of, of little children, come up with the darnest things and sometimes it makes you laugh and sometimes it just makes you want to just like turn around and like yell into a pillow so you know <laughs> or just like walk into a hallway and cry a little bit <laughs> what am i doing <sighs> all right we're gonna take a quick break from the podcast to bring you some information about an organization that i think y'all sh- should support right now it is called no more deaths no More Deaths is a humanitarian organization that is based in Arizona. Uh, it began in 2004 in the form of a coalition of community and faith-based groups dedicated to stepping up efforts to stop the deaths of migrants in the desert uh, and to keep achieving the enactment of a, a, se- 
set of faith-based practices for immigration reform. So this is an organization that is doing a lot of great work on the Mexico-U.S. border, trying to get folks to actually pay attention and support people who are simply trying to get in this country safely um, with a lot of the kind of bullshit that's going on at our border right now with a bunch of detainees. Uh, this is a really important organization to support right now. They're, they have a lot of uh, uh, projects that involved um, doing um, global movement, uh, humane immigration policies, as well as legal defense funds, and simply getting water, socks, food, and blankets to folks. It's some simple, simple things, but really just trying to get first aid to folks that are simply trying to get in this country in a safe and legal manner, while also trying to document the abuses that are happening happening uh, at the border as well. So if you want to support No More Deaths, go to nomoredeaths.org. It is also also uh, in Spanish, no mas muertes, uh, but it is through uh, nomoredeaths.org. You can see the site in Espanol as well, uh, and you can contact them. You can get, you can donate, you can volunteer. You, they have positions available. Subscribe to the the work that they're doing. They have a whole bunch of reading and materials on there as well. They're really trying to make sure that we can end death and suffering at the border um, of U.S. and Mexico through some civil initiatives that honestly are important so that we are not committing human rights violations right now because there's a lot of stuff going on in the world and I'm kind of sick of it. So support No More Deaths. Go to nomoredeaths.org. That's No More Deaths, No Mas Muertes, nomoredeaths.org. Now let's get back to this conversation with Kareen. Cool. So you went a route that not a lot of traditional educators go. I mean, I'm, I'm saying this. Because a lot of folks who go to Teach for America don't necessarily come from education backgrounds, correct? Correct. Yep. I would say the majority don't um, have an education background when they apply to the program, um, nor when they get accepted. A lot of the times, you know, it's people coming from, I mean, who knows, I mean, some, some from um, engineering, some from, you know, I don't know. There's just a wide variety of, of, of individuals that come into the Teach for America program. Um, but I also think it, you know, it helps in the way um, as far as like shaping the type of um, teachers that you do get exposed into these classrooms. Um, for me, yeah, I came from education. Um, and so I always say when I talk about Teach for America, I, I've had my own unique experience, one that I think is different from most, yeah. um, just because I, I, I did have those education classes. You know, I, I did have those student teaching experiences, and I've written so many lesson plans. I had to make, create a huge giant binder in order to graduate. Like, two I've done, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Two of them. We had to do two of them. (laughs) That I still have somewhere in my house here. I left them at my... That's one of the few things still at my parents' place are those two binders. Yep, yep. And I I look at them every now and then, maybe once. Really, only once. I have the files in my Google Drive, and that's about it. (laughs) Right, and it's just like, oh, this hard work for a diploma. But, I mean, yeah, you just... um, you know, so so initially going into it, one of the reasons why I applied to the program is um, a friend of mine who um, I went to high school with had just finished up the program or was finishing up his second year, um, you know, and he was like, hey, like, I really think you'd be a good fit for it. And at the time, too, I kind of was in limbo of, 
if I was going to go back home to Hawaii, if I wanted to stay in Oregon, if I wanted to move to a different state, you know, I kind of had some other stuff going on. And at the end of the day, I kind of just, you know, hey, like this is a way for me to stay in education. And um, what is kind of nice is, when, you know, if you get accepted into the program, um, you get put on the list for the schools. Um, or, well, not, I don't know about earlier, but for me it was earlier because, you know, I wouldn't have graduated with my diploma until June. But I was already in this program. I got on the list in May, which allowed me, you know, to kind of secure a job, I guess, a little bit better than if I were to maybe just give it a go on my own and yeah. and try to just apply once I, uh, I graduated just because we finished later than, you know, necessarily other schools do. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I got accepted, which I was very proud of because it is a very, like, low acceptance rate as far yeah. as, like, people to get in um, to the program and what's neat is you can kind of um give your you know your opinion on where you would like to teach across the united states um they have you kind of list different options of what you're interested in doing and for me uh you know hawaii was up there on the towards the top and that's where i ended up getting placed um and what's nice is teach for america does try to do a good job of um placing people if if they want to go back to their home state or where they're from they want to bring educators back there yeah. um i think it's great because then you know especially in the area that i got placed out in um it's um on the west coast um of the island of oahu and it's a very low socioeconomic um status kind of a area there also is a very high rate of a native hawaiian population hmm. Um, which is great because it's something, you know, like I said, for me, I went to a private institution my entire life growing up. I didn't go through the public school system. Um, but I learned a lot about my culture, my history. Um, so being able to connect with these kids on that type of level, um, initially, just so they kind of understood, you know, Hey, like I, I may not look like you, but I grew up, you know, here too. And I've had, you know, similar experiences to you, to what you have and, you know, I want to do my best to, to help educate you and get you, you know, on the path to success as best as you can, yeah, especially I, with all the challenges that, that they've had. So I guess I haven't even, I guess, I, and I had a conversation with a friend about just, just this the other day about how even in certain areas, folks can grow up in drastically different ways and still have some level of feeling like you don't really know what I experienced growing up there too, or even that we could even be similar, even though like we share like this small little thing. Like I, like I grew up in Salem, Kaiser, Oregon, and I met someone just a couple weeks ago from that same town, but went to like um, the Catholic school system in in uh, Salem Kaiser and so I was like so we never crossed paths but we're the same age and we would we could have known each other at any point but we just never did and we right. randomly met in Boston like it was random and so like you're teaching kids who are like who do you think we are and we're like well uh I'm from here too <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Did you have but, some? Was that pretty? Was that difficult at first, or did you eventually like break through it? Yeah, I mean, for me, I mean, I mean, you know what I look like. I I don't typically necessarily look like I'm I'm part Native Hawaiian. Um, I definitely my mom's you know side definitely shines through with my skin. I'm a lot on the lighter side. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think especially too for the parents when they first see you, um, they kind of think, oh, like who is this like? 
you know, girl coming from the mainland or wherever she's from and trying to teach our kids, like she doesn't know anything about us. Um, so just having to connect with the students on a different, different level. But at the same time, you know, over the years, I've learned to recognize that my experience growing up is definitely not like their experience growing up. You know, there are so many, um, other obstacles that they've had to face that I was fortunate enough not to. You know, there's yeah. kids who are homeless who sleep on the beach and tents or up in the mountains. Like, they don't get to do their homework when they get home because there's no light. You know, by the time they get home, they, they're in a tent. Like, where are you going to get the electricity from or the light from in order to do your homework? Yeah. Or, like, the opportunity, you know, they have, like, sand in their hair still because um, they, they were sleeping at the beach and they, it's not like they can shower every single day, you know, or even, like having to take a certain path home because they know the houses that they shouldn't, you know, walk by. I've never had those type of experiences. Um, and it's just, it's sad to, you know, see that these kids have to have those types of experiences. Cause you shouldn't, I, don't, I feel like you shouldn't have to have those experiences growing up. You have enough to worry about, you know, on a day-to-day basis to try to get the best education you can to help yourself in the future. But if you're worrying about all these other things or like where your next meal is going to come from, like, you know, I get why you don't want to do math today. Yeah. It makes total sense. So just finding a way to motivate them and to help them, you know, over, overcome those struggles that they have to deal with. So it's, yeah, it's a very, it's, it was a very big eye opener for sure. Um, just teaching in the public school system, you know, in the same state that I grew up in and going through a, the same system, just on the private side, you know, sector yeah. side of things. So. That's so fascinating. <laughs> yeah, it is. And, and, and you know, I want to, like, obviously thank, like, Teach for America for that just because, I mean, I know part of their focus is to help close that educational gap that we have and to place teachers in, you know, lower-income areas that need more of that support. Uh, and I think in one aspect, you know, they, they do that very well by placing the, student, the teachers there. It's just a matter of, you know, then keeping the teachers there. I think that's the hard part. But I think that's the hard part you know, for any, any type of place. I mean, in Hawaii in general, I I think it's very tough to get, you know, some people complain like, oh, we're getting all these teachers from the mainland coming here. But then, you know, like if you can't even keep the teachers who are going through the system here, you know, to like throughout college to try to get a good job, if you're not going to pay them enough and they can get a better job in the mainland somewhere, they're going to go, you know, they're not going to, they're not going to stay here because it's so expensive to live here if you're not going to get paid enough to be able to pay your bills you know how can you afford buying your kids tools that they don't even you know have the opportunity to buy so yeah it's just it's tough it's like a never-ending cycle i feel like (laughs) but you hung around there right you hung out i did a little bit i did yeah so the teacher america program is a is a two-year program um they have um and you know i am very happy to say that a lot of people i think from our core class um, ended up staying in education, whether it be teaching or went back, you know, for their master, uh, like another master's, or I know some that are even like in law school now, you know, focusing on education. Mm -hmm. Um, And then there are some, you know, who maybe didn't even get through the two years or, you know, they finished it and kind of now they're on to their next adventure and to where either what they graduated in or, you know, something else. Um, but yeah, I, I, like I said, I knew beforehand that I would stay in education and this was kind of a way for me to get in. And I was at my school that I taught at for five years. Yeah. Um, so, and I, and I loved it. And I actually, um, went, 
I never taught or focused in uh, special education, but I got into special education um, through Teach for America, um, kind of a box that you check and um, you can get placed there if, you know, that's something that you're interested in. And I actually am very thankful that I checked that box and that Mm -hmm. I got put into, um, you know, kind of the special education route because I feel like it really made me a better teacher because Mm -hmm. I got to see from a different point of view, you know, what it's like to teach these kids who need that extra attention and extra support. Um, And it made me have to think more, you know, and I couldn't just like get away with, you know, I know we all do it some mornings, like if it's like, all right, what am I going to teach today? You know, (laughs) like, you can't you can't really wake up and just be like, what are you going to do? Like, you actually have to think about it. And you have to um, just kind of diversify your plans based upon, you know, what they're getting, what they're not getting, or even just trying to teach them in a different way. Because honestly, especially for the kids that I had, like the books just don't cut it. Like, you can't just read something off of the book and expect your kids to understand it. Um, so I just, I feel like I've become a better teacher, you know, being able to do, to teach special education and just to kind of see what all kids need. And because it, it doesn't just work for them. I feel like it works for every kid. Yeah. You know, if you really look into what, what their needs are, you can definitely do a better job of helping them. I don't know. When you when you decided to check that box and you found out that you're going to be working with special uh, in special education, was that like a, okay, this is really going to show me if I want to be in education? Like, were you like, were you really prepared for that, or was that something you were like, let's see what happens? Because yeah. um, like that yeah. is that is a segment of education where like it takes a certain kind of person to be able to manage like working in special ed. Like I thought I could. And then I realized I couldn't like, that's initially what I went to school for. And then I realized I couldn't. Yeah. I mean, I honestly, I kind of checked it as like, okay, like I think I could try it if, you know, if I get placed there, not realizing that it's like, once you do it, then that's kind of the route that they take you. Um, which I was a little bit bummed about. Um, when, when I actually was interviewing because there was a, another position open, but it was for a general education position. Mm. And, um, you know, they had to call me back and be like, you know, we really like you, but unfortunately, like they won't let us hire you because they haven't placed everybody that they needed to in general education. And you're technically under like a special education teacher. So we, you know, so in that, like at that point I kind of was upset because I was like, well, but like, I actually got my degree in education. I am a general education teacher. Like, why can't I have this general education spot? You know, I was like, what? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Like, it's annoying. Um, you know, but but again, I feel like everything happens for a reason. And at the end of the day, I, I didn't go to that school, which would have offered me one type of experience based upon the kids that they service there. And I got, I got another type of experience. Um, but I also got, you know, a lot of friendships of, from coworkers um, through there and, and even my kids, you know, just to see them grow. I had my first two classes graduate, um, since I've been there, which is a weird uh-huh. to think about. Yeah. Um, and what's really cool is they actually do a, um, when kids are getting ready to graduate high school, they do like a reunion. So like this year they had the class that was, I don't know, whatever when sixth grade class from, I don't know, 2000 something. Yeah. Um, you know, and they all came back 
to the elementary school and got to like see their teachers and stuff. So I'm just like thinking in my head, I was like, Oh my gosh, like that's four more years. And those are my kids like coming back, graduating high school. And like, I, I really hope to see them all there, honestly, which is kind of a sad thought. Like, but I, I really hope they all get to, to senior year and are able to walk and graduate. And I get to see them, you know, when they come to the school. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's just it's just an interesting experience. But I, I definitely didn't really know what I was getting into when I checked it, mm-hmm. um, you know. But I, I'm very thankful that I did, and it kind of pushed me outside of my you know comfort zone and really had me kind of struggling at first to figure out like, hey, I did all these like lesson plans and I've done all these stuff, and I I, I think I should know what I'm doing, you know. But then when it didn't work, and I'm just like, why is this not working? Um, just having to just sit back and be like, okay, like, I I feel like a lot of the things that, um, TFA does is very data driven, which, which is very good in, in some sense, you know, we want to know and make sure that what we're doing is working. Um, but I think sometimes it's very hard to measure, you know, success. Yeah. you know, I, I don't know. Well, I was just talking to a, I was talking to a colleague about data and looking at student success as data and how, like I, I went off on a whole thing. You can imagine I went off on a whole thing and I was just like, no, we have to like recognize that some, some successes aren't tied to numbers. And those are, those are hard to, those are hard to explain when you're trying to define the worth of the work that you're doing to someone who is like financially responsible for you having that job. So like, that's a lot of my job as it is now is like, I have to be like, yeah, I engaged this many students. I think they learned some stuff. Like, like that's hard because I, I, I can gauge the, the, um, like how much they're, they're truly like the information that they've taken from me and are sharing it with others and are coming back to me with more information, but I'm not really like testing them on anything. Like that's not the size, that's not the type of my job, but from my understanding, that's like pretty central to some of the TFA stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, they definitely want you, you know, they have data trackers, they have all these kinds of things and they want you to input and, and, And I think, like, again, I think it works for certain things, but especially, like, for me and the students that I teach, um, you know, I even struggled when we had our regular, like, standardized state testing, you know? It's like, you're really expecting my kids to, one, take this test, (laughs) and to, two, like, you know, like, the thing was, because you could only qualify for the alternate test if you couldn't spell a word. And it's like, but I have kids who, like, they can spell their name, mm-hmm. but that's it. But then they won't qualify, like, to take an alternate test and they're nonverbal kids. Like, I just don't know how you expect them to even sit through this test, you know, and then just, like, be able to be successful. And then you're going to judge my teaching ability based upon, like, how successful they were at this test. When that, uh. like, none of that is going to matter. You know what I mean? And it's just, like, it's so frustrating because it's like, I want you to see, I just had to kind of, I think over the years, just kind of create my own data um, to even like help show, you know, like how much they've grown. Like I'm going to give them this random test. I'm going to work on it for a quarter and I'm going to give them the same exact test. And then that way you can at least see like what kind of stuff they've done. But again, like some of that is just 
when you give them tests like that, it's just all like understanding, like you don't know if they even understand the process. They might just like be able to answer it. Mm -hmm. And like, you want those kids to be able to understand the process so that when they get a question completely different, or like, I feel like a lot of the standardized test now is going more towards, um, actual like steps. If that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like asking more questions that you have to apply things to. Mm -hmm. Well, if the kids don't understand the process, they're not going to be able to answer it. And then if you get answer A, B, and C, like, or A wrong, you're going to get answer B, C, and D if they also pertain to the same problem. Yeah. Like, and then it's like, well, that whole question's shot because you don't understand the first part. So it's just a lot. Yeah. And it's frustrating. And I wish, (laughs) I wish we also had people who make these types of things like, understand education well enough to make them better but that's a whole nother topic (laughs) i mean i've gotten into it with some guests about like the whole business of education and how some of the and again i talk to colleagues all the time where i'm just like i don't know if i work at a school or if i just work at like a business where people come to learn and exchange money. Like that's really sometimes all like that to the bare essential, like there are certain people who work in different levels of education who never have to see a student. And I think, I think, I think that's one hilarious and two super sad. Right. And And they're usually the ones who make the most decisions, right? They have the most most power. And the most right. money. <laughs> right. Well, I don't get it. Well, those of us doing, like, in the trenches are, like, struggling to pay bills. <laughs> yeah. And you're, yeah. like, again, talking about doing it in a place that's, like, super expensive to live. And granted, I think you got to, like, you had a, you again, you had a much different experience. So, like, I think you stayed with your parents, right, during it? Right. So, yeah. you, so you, had, I was you had a little bit better. To, to stay at home. Yeah, yeah. Which which saved a lot of money. But I know there were definitely, you know, teachers. And the thing with um, Teach for America, too, is, like, for those that don't, you know, they don't have their um, teaching license, obviously, because they came from a different um, mm-hmm. major. So when they go through Institute and then, you know, the whole first year, they're pretty much working towards their, um, their license. Yeah. So technically they're not highly qualified teachers, you know, until their second year. And then sometimes I know that's kind of come to bite people on the butt because, you know, then they don't get necessarily the pay that you would get as a licensed teacher. So then you're even making less money than you, you know, you think you would be, um, And then, you know, when it comes to like tenure, then you're even like another year behind because that first year doesn't technically count. Hmm. So it is very, you know, it could be very tricky sometimes, especially when you're trying to stay. And I think that also is why some people don't necessarily stay because it's just too expensive um, to be able to survive out here and to to be able to teach. So, yeah. So when you stayed, uh, did you stay at the same school and teaching the same students uh, after TFA? finished up yeah so i um the school that i that i got accepted into um is the same school i stayed at for all five years um and i kind of worked my way in different um classrooms and did different kind of positions all within special education but i've been an inclusion teacher um you know i've had my own classroom and then i've also you know like i said work with work with other teachers and so it's just very interesting to see the different um just the different ways that 
special education students can be educated to. Yeah. Um, you know, and for some, yeah, the, the general education classroom works great for them. They just kind of need, you know, certain attention in this and that, and um, they're able to get through it. And then there's, you know, students who definitely need a whole new curriculum and a whole separate setting, um, and that's where they flourish there. So just finding the right balance for everybody, and I think also... Um, just having the right amount of support, that's always, I think, been a struggle. It's just like there's more and more students every year, I feel like, that qualify for special education. But yet your number of teachers don't necessarily increase. And so it's like how how can you best support them if you have, you know, 20 kids in a class kind of thing. Yeah. You know, so we don't have caps like I know some, yeah. some places necessarily do. Um so it just makes it hard sometimes yeah. to to help them, which is tough to see because you want to do your best and you want to be able to, you know, help them as best as you can. And then sometimes at the end of the day, it's just like there's only so much you can do as an individual um, and then just kind of need support, you know, from others, which yeah. sometimes you get and sometimes you don't. <laughs> what about working with parents doing that sort of work, working with students with special needs? Was that like... Was that, how, what was that relationship like? Were you on good terms with folks? Were, were parents pretty attendant to their students' needs? Because I know some some struggle with their kids even, like, having kids that have special needs. Like, yeah. parents are mean to even their own kids. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you had a mixed bag um, of parents, for sure. There's definitely those who are on one end of the spectrum and are very supportive. Um. And then, you know, you get the ones who say they're very supportive, but you kind of know otherwise. And then you get the ones who are not even existent. Um, and it's tough, too, especially for some of them, you know, like trying to get them in for a meeting because they have to be there. They have to we have to sit down. We have to discuss, you know, their IEP with them. We have to be able to, you know, have them sign this document um, and yet their phone doesn't work or you don't have a number that works anymore, or you write in their planner, but you know that they never look at their planner, the kid's planner anyway, because they're never home when their kids are home, you know? So it's like, there's only so much you can do to the point where sometimes you have to like go to their homes or you have to like meet them somewhere where they can meet you. And you know, it's just, it's just tough because, and then like too, it's sad because you know that there's some who are struggling a lot and they want to be supportive but they, they just can't. Or you have parents who went through the same system, unfortunately, and they they can't help because they don't understand either, you know. And they're still struggling with their own things, um, you know. Because I, I remember, I know there was like a parent who had to come with, you know, somebody else to help them understand and and read through the document. Hmm. So. It's the, like, parent, the parent needed someone to help them. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Goodness. So it's just, you know, you kind of see, like, where that person has struggled and got to in life. And then you're looking at, like, now their kid, you know, are they going to go through the same path or are they going to be able to, you know, 
get out of that. So, I don't know. It's just, it's tough. All right, it's time for the music break portion of the podcast. Very excited to bring you music from Groupie. The new EP is called Validated. It came out back in April through Disposable America. Uh, The band is from Brooklyn. They make some really cool, kick-ass punk tunes. If you like bands like Wyatt Long, War on Women, Against Me, a bunch of just badass, kick-ass uh, femme punk bands support Groupie. They're super great. Go to verygoodrockandroll.bandcamp.com or check out Disposable America on the internet. You can find the whole catalog of Disposable America at disposableamerica.bandcamp.com. Right now, I'm going to play you a tune from that new Groupie EP, Validated. The song is called Cannibal Wave. Here you go. Last night like a haze My dreams feel like an encompassing eternity Cause the reality is feeding me back out again And to ignore the hours spent underneath consciousness It only confuses my memory more When will we stop being bitter? That we can't stop the tides of change Sink or swim, ride or die I tumble in that to get their new EP validated over at disposableamerica.bandcamp.com or verygoodrockandroll.bandcamp.com. All right, let's finish up this conversation with Kareen. What do you think you took from your education experience on the mainland? Because you went to the mainland to get um, your, your college degree and then you went back to work in TFA and to put your education to use. What was something you learned in the mainland that like helped you in your work when you went back home? Um, well, I would say that was my first kind of experience, um, in the school system, um, in the public school system, I guess, uh, working in, in Oregon. Um, and you know, I, it's interesting because I had, that was kind of, I think the first time I saw, the gap between like gifted children and you know those that were just at a normal pace and then those that were you know falling a little bit behind 
Um, and just working with all three of those levels and trying to, to do the best that I could for them. Um, I definitely was in, you know, I feel like a nicer, I mean, I was in Corvallis. I feel like it's a pretty nice neighborhood. You know, the kids were doing pretty well outside of it. And so, um, just, I don't know, it was just an interesting dynamic, interesting group of, of kids that I, that I met and I, I worked with. Um, and I think then going back home, you know, again, you see a whole different side because it's a whole different area, different set of problems, different, you know, set of kids. Um, and so you had a I different think, experience by then. Right. But I think, I think the thing that I just took, just the exposure to, you know, a wide variety of kids, a wide variety of learning styles and abilities um, allowed me to be able to do a better job, you know, trying to diversify and, and, and find out what works best for my kids. Um, you know, I think if I was only working with gifted kids or if I was only working with, you know, like one type of student, yeah. then I all of a sudden get exposed to a different type. And then it's just like, oh my gosh, what am I supposed to do? Or like, you know, or I could be the, play the dumb one and just like, oh, this worked for them. This should work for them. Right. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and then it, it doesn't. And you're like, now what? So um, just having the opportunity to work with a variety of kids and in different settings, I think really helped me um, just to become a better teacher. And and also it kind of helped me see, you know, what kind of opportunities and stuff there were for these kids. Because you could definitely see a difference of like what the kids, um, you know, in Oregon were learning and, and what level they were at. And, you know, for the most part, even those that were falling behind were still able to read close to or on grade level or there's students you know that I worked with that maybe in fourth grade and they're still working at a kindergarten level as far as like reading ability and it's like and that and that's even some kids who aren't even identified that might just be some of the general population you know that they're just typically lower and I feel like that's kind of the case here um which is sad and unfortunate but I just feel like we aren't you know like learning at the level that some students on the mainland are Hmm. which I never really thought about or saw you know growing up because for me I'm like well I knew I wasn't like the valedictorian of my class (laughs) but at the same time I all I never saw that gap of like you know we all weren't the best learners I remember when I was in elementary school I did have to take a um like I was one of the cool kids who got to like go to this special room in the morning time and practice my reading um, so I remember that, you know, like, okay, but it wasn't really, you know, it was for a year and then it was like, okay, that's it. That's the only like thing that I did, but everything else was with everybody else and everyone else seemed to do just as fine. And so you didn't really get to see, you know, that, that difference that I did then on the other side as a teacher, yeah. which is interesting. So you've, you've been away from education for a minute. And doing something we're legally not allowed to talk about. It's fine. Uh, but you're hoping to get back in. What are you hoping to do in the somewhat near future, getting back into ed? What's on your mind? What's the what's the next horizon for you? Yeah. So, um, you know, kind of living out a dream of mine currently um, outside of education. And I love it. But I definitely miss being in the classroom and teaching Um, But another passion that I've always had is for higher education. Um, I've always told myself, too, like, I love teaching the little kids, but I love talking to the older kids. So I never, I never, you know, 
although like I mentioned at the beginning of this that, you know, I'm afraid to teach anyone taller than me. I <laughs> doesn't mean that I'm not willing to talk to them. And I, I think, um, you know, at Oregon State, I was lucky enough to have a great advisor who, for me, was kind of like my second lifeline and uh, kind of like a mother figure. And she kind of helped me plan my life out at Oregon State. And, did you have Jean? Um, I did. Jean yes. was so great. Yes, Jean's the yes. reason I graduated. Yes. She, <laughs> She, she knows favorite. that too. Yep. Yeah. Jeez, so dinners I, at her home were wild. <laughs> yes. Like what? Four or five course meals. I feel like. Like, gee, it was never is this ever going to end? Is this dinner right. ever going to end? Right. 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 And I was yeah. Like, I only, mean, I was like always the only guy too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah. I mean, she she kind of showed me, you know, like how awesome an advisor can be. Um, you know, and I always thought that that would be another great way to impact, um, individuals is just to help them talk about their life, you know, as an RA too, I, I, you know, as you did, I'm sure met a bunch of residents who not all of them were probably cracked out to, you know, graduate from college and that's okay. At the end of the day, like as long as they figured out what they wanted to do in life and they're able to be successful in that, like, you know, I, I just, I want to be able to make an impact like that and work with, you know, individuals on either, you know, graduating successfully or, you know, through the struggles, figure out that they want to actually do this in life and the best way to help get them there. So I do want to get into higher education. So go back to pursue my master's somewhere and um, then hopefully, you know, be in the higher education realm for a little bit and, and then eventually go back to teaching because I do love the little kids and I love yeah. working, you know, with them. But I just feel like in order to become an advisor or something like that, I'll have to get my master's. And so I want to be able to pursue that for a little bit and then gives me more options as to where I live next in life and yeah. where I go from here. So, well, yeah. you know who to go to when you need to look for programs because I know all of them and I can talk shit about most of them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, but I do know. <laughs> Okay, so thank you so much for chatting with me. Let's wrap this up with some fun, some fun questions about okay. you and things you like. It's called a lightning round. I'm just going to ask you stuff. First things off the top of your head, or whatever. Uh, we'll, we'll use whatever. I don't even know how many of these we'll use, and I might cut some. Whatever. We'll see how it goes, Kareem. <laughs> okay. This, this is where it gets loose. What is your favorite color? Purple. Oh, what's your favorite food? Ooh, I'd say Italian. Okay. Pasta. All right. Even though I eat probably the same pasta all the time, I just like the, the fact that I can like mix up the noodles, pick, mix up the sauce, the toppings. Pretty much had that almost every day in college. Pretty easy. Okay, sorry, that was that was more than a one one answer question, but I mean, no, 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 you're fine. Oh, you're fine. <laughs> what's uh, what's a favorite movie of yours? Maybe even current all time. Gosh. I always say, like, when we go to holiday movies, so Hocus Pocus, okay. my favorite Halloween movie. Um, I loved the movie Deep Blue Sea growing up. Interesting. I don't know if you ever saw that uh -uh. movie. Nope, I um, never have. You never have. No. I think it's definitely one to watch. Okay. Um, probably not all time. Definitely not, like, you know, Oscar worthy necessarily. But it came but to mind. <laughs> for just some reason, yeah, I loved that movie growing up. It's weird. So, Hocus Pocus, Deep Blue Sea, I dig yeah. it. Yeah, and I could say for, for like holidays, yeah, current or whatever. it's a wonderful life. Yeah. That's like the uh, we go-to holiday. 
we were talking about It's Wonderful Life the other night, and Katie's never seen it. And Katie was like, what's that movie about? And I went, well, it's about a guy trying to not commit suicide on Christmas. And Katie was like, what? And I was like, yep, that's what that movie's about. Right. Well, and it's funny because I feel like, you know, when you first watch, I don't know. Like, it just, because it's one of those popular ones that everyone yeah. loves to watch. But as you, you get older. Right. As yeah. I'm just like. I rewatch it and I'm like, huh, and this is my favorite holiday movie. Weird. Like, like I got, so I remember um, The Giving Tree so much growing up, like the book. And then when I re- grew up and read it again as an adult, I was like, this is fucking dark. This right. is a dark book. Like, it's sad. Yeah. And now it's tattooed on my body. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, never see it either because it's behind me. Oh, what, else? Uh, what, about, what about a book? Do you, have, do you have a favorite adult reading book? Uh, Not, like, adult uh, book, but a, 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 a book you would read as a, a human adult. And do you have a favorite kid's uh, book? Gosh. Mm, those are two tough questions. So, um, adult book is hard, which is sad because I, I did love reading, but I just feel, and this is just obviously an excuse, but I just use it as an excuse that I just like read so much for like work and all these other things that I just don't have time to have fun reading. Um, there's definitely like five books that are on my shelf that I would love to get into at some point, but again, (laughs) they still sit on my shelf. Um, and some of them are actually like from like local, um, authors here in Hawaii, which is kind of cool. There's this one book, uh, I don't know if the title is correct, but it's like the people you meet at Long's, which is like a grocery store, kind of like would be Fred Meyer's kind of a place. Mm. Um, it's just like funny stories like that. Mm. Um, but kids book, I know growing up, I used to love like R.L. Stein, like Goosebumps. Yeah. Um, they put all the show on Netflix now. I, yeah, but I don't know how I feel about those. They're like the cartoon ones. I, I used to like them when they were like real people, but I well, don't know how it. I feel about that's cartoons. It. But I feel like there was cartoon ones now, no? There's real people again? I think there, I think there were cartoons, but they did have the real p- people ones. That's the ones I was looking at today, at least. Yeah. Um, what is something uh, you miss when you're not in Oregon? Ooh. Um, I'm not in Oregon. Honestly, Oregon State sports. Yeah. <laughs> it's sad. I feel like that's like, I love going to football games. I love cheering at football games. Um, obviously, watching baseball games from the mm-hmm. Finley window, mm-hmm. you know, when it was too cold to actually go outside. Mm-hmm. Um, or from uh, Dixon, <laughs> just like running around the track, I'd watch baseball. <laughs> there you go. I remember I sat literally, I think it was like 14, 15 innings for a game. And I was like getting frostbite because I didn't wear shoes. I was stupid. And I left slippers on my feet because oh. it was like semi nice. So I'm like wrapped in a pillow or blanket and I'm just like, I want to go home, but then they're going to score at any moment. And then if I go home, then I'm going to miss it and the game's going to be over. And I'm like, I'm dumb. But I love sports. The things we do for Oregon State sports when we're doing okay. (laughs) You know what I also miss is um, that store, darn it, down the street, off of 9th and whatever that cross street was by the old Rite Aid. Um, they turned it into, <laughs> you're laughing at me. Not a, this not is a... so specific. 
Yeah, I'm telling you where the old Rite Aid used to be on that corner. And there's like the Home Depot on the other side of the corner. Uh-huh. No, I see, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So it's not Whole Foods. Market of Choice. Market of Choice. Yeah. I miss Market of Choice. Market I used of to Choice love, is great. I would get, I would go there for my lunch break mm-hmm. when I was student teaching and I would get stir fry. Yeah. I, when I go run in Corvallis, I park there because I won't get a ticket for parking on campus. And then I run, uh, I run around town and then I go back to the car. There you go. Because <laughs> I still have a parking ticket from Oregon State from 2015 for a rental car. <laughs> They're oh, like, God. you need to pay this. I'm like, good luck. Right, I didn't pay my finding. parking tickets when I was at Oregon State. <laughs> Oh gosh, yeah, and that parking is like a whole nother ordeal now, so. Uh, What is one of your favorite things about Hawaiian history or traditions? Ooh. Um, I like all the flowers you give everyone. (laughs) Yes, all the lays. Uh Um, Well, a fun fact is I started dancing hula when I was in preschool. Oh, wow. So um, I've danced hula since I was in preschool all the way throughout high school. Um, when I was at Oregon State, I was in the, um, yeah, I, I participated in the luau every single year. Uh, and I got to teach not only um, dance. So that was a lot of fun, too. I don't do that a lot um, in the mainland now. I feel like there's not really a place for me to do that. Um, and when I was home here, I was really tempted to, like, join a halau, or that's, that's, what, that's what it's called, like mm-hmm. a, a club. Um, I guess would be the English word. Um, but I never really got back into it when I was home. So I, I do miss doing that. I miss, I love watching it too. Um, uh, and just listening to like Hawaiian music. That's like on my, it's still state like preset on my parents' car. So whenever I borrow their car, I turn to the radio stations I used to listen to. Aww. So. Because I feel in the mainland, the whole, like, hula and Hawaiian music is, like, almost a joke to us. To yeah. Where it's more I feel like it's, like, sacred to y'all, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's definitely taken in a different, I guess, connotation. I feel like it's, yeah. It's definitely not something that, like, we don't wear grass shorts and, or skirts and coconuts. Like, yeah. that's very tacky, touristy, you know. Halloween costumey. Yes. Yes, it's not traditional and what it's actually for meant. But, you know, again, that's just something that you deal with when you live in a touristy town. And people sometimes still think that you live in grass shacks and you, you know, ride on canoes everywhere. It's You give me that face, but that actually... What? In, in 2007, when I was a senior in high school, we traveled to Florida for nationals. And that's a trek. Legit. <laughs> They asked, like, they thought we got there on canoes and that we lived in Russia. And, like, do you have the same currency? Like, we are a part of the United States. Hawaiian money is very different. You do know this, right? Like, (laughs) and I remember they wanted to, like, give us um, candy. And they're like, do you guys have nerds? Or, like, do you guys have, like, you know, like, what, Swedish fish or something like that? So at one point we're just like, no, we totally don't. They're like, oh, my gosh, you guys should try this. Like, thank you. Moving on. I feel like you could have messed with so many people so much more. But it's just so sad because it's like, that's the thing too. Like, I can just, it's a whole nother tangent of like Hawaiian culture. But like, it's like in, it's what, a paragraph in most textbooks? 
So it's just Hawaiian like it's not history. Gonna, yeah. Like you learn five sentences about it, and and that's supposed to be it. Yeah. And then and Hawaii, guess- Hawaii joined the uh, union uh, because we stole it, and uh, that's about it. Right. Oh, and then a president was born there, but they or refuted it for a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ugh. Ugh. Yep. Okay, I like to end this with music. Uh, we already said hula, but what's some of the stuff you're listening to, what, or what? What do you what do you prefer to listen to these days? Um, for me, I mean, I, I've actually turned Oregon has turned me into a country fan. Oh no! I know that's not your favorite type of music, it's but fine. Uh, it's fine. It's but fine. I turn into a country fan. Um, I definitely own like seven pairs of boots. Yeah, um, it'll happen. Yeah, especially in Corvallis. <laughs> It happens. But it's funny. I never actually went to a country concert when I lived in Oregon. Did you go to the country fair, though? Oh. You know why? I think the issue was is I never was around during the summertime because I always came home. Yeah. So I feel like that's when they always had stuff, and I just was never there. So. That's fair. But you're jamming out to country. You're jamming out to hula. It's all good. Country. I jam out to some local artists. We have, like, uh, the Vitals, the Green. They're all, like... Um, played a lot here in Hawaii. One of my uh, classmates, who's a year older or younger than me, he uh, just released one of. I heard his song on the radio the other day, and he was like number three. So I like recorded it for him. I was like, "Good job, congrats!" Oh, who is that? His name is Mahi Crab, oh. uh, and his new song is called "Famous." Famous. Ooh. Yes. How's uh? Before we completely wrap up, how's the um? volcano stuff did that is that okay yeah uh no it's still so actually i was watching the news um yesterday and what's kind of cool is they um worked with the national guard um to build these i don't know what they're officially calling it but they're just basically like little miniature pop-up homes um for people who you know have been affected by the volcanoes giving priority obviously to elderly or those with any disabilities or those with like a big number of families like seven or plus more family members um and they just blessed it yesterday to allow people to start living in it um and it's just community housing and then they have like a you know community area for showers and restrooms and things like that but just trying to help families out who have lost their homes because the hardest part especially with lava is like you can't rebuild on top of it no you know and so it's like it's not like after just a regular fire you could come back and be like okay now we got to go rebuild our house it's like you got to uproot move everything to somewhere else um but they yeah had an earthquake again yesterday um and then I, i mean i haven't smelt the fog which has been nice i think the breeze is kind of helping it but um it's still definitely flowing and um affecting a lot of people out there so geez how far away are you from it uh well i don't know the actual mileage but i mean there's a couple there's a couple islands in between me and there so yeah yeah, definitely not going to be affecting me as far as like yeah yeah housing stuff it's more just in the air the bog especially for those people who have like really bad um asthma they're really affected by it but that's also going to be you know in a couple days during the fourth of july when everyone's popping fireworks and then there's a bunch of smoke in the air too so super right. great can't I wait know. this is going to come out the day after the fourth of july which is one of my least favorite days because i'm not a big fan of fireworks 
Yeah. They kind of like, I don't know. They don't only like kind of scare me, but Mm. the idea of burning money worries me. (laughs) Right. Well, it's kind of funny because so my, apparently my parents, they go up to this hill um, with the dog park that they normally go to with all the dogs and they like eat food and watch the fireworks. But this year there's not going to be fireworks at the place they normally watch. So Mm. I'm like, so what are you going to watch? Like the closest Mm -hmm. one, my dad's like, maybe you can see it. I'm like, no. You cannot see those fireworks from where you're going to be standing. Yeah. Like, and so my mom's like, so I guess we're going to just eat food. And I was like, I guess so. She's like, do you want to come? And I was like, not really. But I think <laughs> like, you really, you really sold me on, like, we're not even going to see fireworks. We're just going to stand there with a bunch of, like, older individuals and, like, eat. eat. Like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really have no other plans, so that might end up being what I do. Mm-hmm. But... <laughs> Like, is that my first option? Oh, I don't know. (laughs) Not really. Yeah. We're probably just going to play games and hang out with our cats. There you go. That's it. We did it. Another episode done. It was so great to catch up with one of my old friends from college. Haven't done that in a while. At least on the podcast. So great to catch up with Kareen, one of my favorite human beings. And I learned so much about her that I didn't know before this episode, which is wonderful. I love learning about my friends more and more and more, and especially about education in Hawaii, because I had no concept of it before this conversation, well, re- relatively none, and I, I got schooled in a lot of great ways. So thanks to Kareen so much for that. Now, if you want to support uh, No Mas Muertes, No More Deaths, please go to nomoredeaths.org and check out more of the work that they do. And please donate to them and support uh, getting just basic essentials to folks on the Arizona-New Mexico border uh, of, of Mexico. And if you want more information on Groupie and their new EP validated, go to disposableamerica.bandcamp.com. Get yourself a cassette. Get yourself a CD. Also go to verygoodrockandroll.bandcamp.com. Support the band. Support the up-and-coming band. Support them. Throw them some money. Support Disposable America. They've done some really cool releases uh, over the years. And Dustin's one of the greatest dudes in Boston right now running that label. So that's all I got this week. Uh, We'll be back next week with another conversation. And until then, let's get to work. Contradiction, American melting